Hello, hello, Pete Oslin from the left, right, middle, where each week we talk about topics, current events, geopolitical events, politics, potentially, all from the left, right, middle perspective, where it applies. Uh, so welcome again uh, to, uh, to this week. I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle this week, because one of the, I mentioned that early on when we sort of introduced this podcast and uh, sort of the setup to it. I also said that I wanted to at times cover society and cultural issues. In fact, I think I'm classified as a society cultural podcast, if you will. So uh, we're going to we're going to tackle something today sort of falls into that that topical type of a heading. Uh, before doing that, for those of you that are uh, looking at the video of this, you probably notice my backdrops a little bit different today. Um, not my sort of boring home office, if you will. This this is not a fake backdrop. You know how you can do those fake backdrops and make you look like you're in, I don't know, in the Alps in Europe or something like that. Uh, incidentally, this is this is live footage from my van uh, where I am dropping this recording uh, today and uh, here in Central Oregon. And you can kind of kind of see my paneling of the van. And, you know, it's a little bit of an overcast day, but you know, here I am in the high desert and. I don't know. I kind of felt like mixing it up and from time to time I want to do this. So uh, here we go. And yeah, I'm one of these van guys. And uh, you know what I've sort of found out about the van crowd is that <laughs> we have uh, haters and non-haters, if you will, uh, of different types of vans, which I think is a bit silly because um, I, I purchased this when I was 50 years old and I'm now 53 after you know, a lot of years of work and sacrifice <laughs> decided to indulge a little bit. But the reality is um, it sort of fits in line with the topic we're going to talk about today, which is uh, turning 50s, uh, turning 50 and what that means. And, and why, you know, why did I want to talk about this? Because I think there's all these inflection points in our life. And, you, and this might apply to turning 40 or 30 or whatever. And, you know, we're always trying to you know, navigate our lives and be uh, present, be happy, be productive. I mean, there isn't probably anybody that doesn't have some sort of goal along those lines, right? And so um, I kind of picked up on this one because I sit down and I have coffee with a lot of people. It helps me get material for the, for the podcast. I mean, as you know, that's, I think, part of this process is engaging with those around you and sort of figuring out what topics are most germane and and that sort of thing. So each week we, we kind of go down that path and, and I try to do my research and dig in and give us independence, something to, to think about and ponder as we make decisions about our life. But uh, this one sort of developed naturally as I'm sitting down on these topics with different friends and incidentally, most are in their 50s, some in their 40s. And I, I got to say, I got a overall sort of, um, I don't know if disposition's the right word or just... Um, you know, sort of toned as sometimes these conversations where I feel like people aren't as settled as they would like to be in their fifties. And so I wanted to do a little bit of digging on this and figure out, okay, well, uh, why is that? And what can we do to address this point of our lives and put ourselves in a better place to be happy, more participating society and things like that nature. Now, incidentally, um, and this is probably stating the obvious, but I sometimes think, you know, indulging too much in the news or in sort of world affairs and, 
you know, wrapping up in these kind of topics and reading the news. I mean, there's a lot of negativity that comes through that. And so, you know, when I have this podcast and I'm dealing with sometimes these contentious topics, I mean, I don't know, sometimes I think, am I feeding into this uh, sort of discourse? So, uh, you know, I want to sometimes pull back from that and look at more sort of societal issues too and, um, and, and sort of see how we can think about that stuff. So here's what I started and I'm just going to tell you about some of the people I sat down with. I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but kind of like the broad perspective of, you know, folks that I visited with. And then, you know, what I'm feeling is the tension, you know, as a result of that and sort of what my research showed us about turning 50 and, um, and sort of how we can become, you know, and, you know, find ourselves moving towards a better place in our fifties and our sixties. So, so overall, so let's just sort of jump in. You know, I met with, uh, for example, a guy that's been running not for profits for a long time. Um, and, you know, mostly what I'm finding when people are sort of in this period of their lives, they spend a lot of time in one particular career path. In this case, this guy's not for profits forever. And then they find that it maybe it wasn't as rewarding as they wanted it to be. And they're trying to make a transition. And it's a daunting thing in your 50s to undertake a transition. Right. And so I don't, I think that's a contributing factor. What I'm seeing about the across these different people that I've interviewed and, you know, had discussions about sort of where they're at with their happiness, if you will, you know, in a generic sort of sense. I also talked to a guy that was transitioning out of the mortgage business. Okay. So 20 years in the mortgage business and he, you know, lack of a better word, sort of sick of it, you know, so now trying to self-identify with a new potential career, maybe there's a divorce in there. Right. And how does that sort of factor into what your life goals were and with how you saw yourself? I've met with teachers that are done teaching. You know, they're now 20 years in, but, you know, more or less they get their summers off. How are they going to transition out of teaching? Right. And so we're not terribly well set up as a society and uh, to allow for these transitions without sort of major setbacks or disturbances in your existing life. Right. Which could include like you know, losing healthcare and stuff like that. Uh, I've met with doctors, you know, a doctor friend that um, can't work at the same pace anymore. And, you know, this started developing his 40s and 50s. Now he has made a pretty sizable transition where he's able to work two weeks uh, out of the month, uh, sort of uh, in, in this context. And so, like I said, some people find a way out of this and try to regain their balance. I've met with a guy that's a lawyer that you know, has done that for 25 years. Again, how is he going to be able to transition out of that profession and into something else and maintain the same sort of income? And uh, in his particular case, um, doing something more drastic, you know, going overseas and investing in a business over there, you know, as he becomes an empty nester. So um, you, you might be forced into making these more significant changes in your life. And I'm not, and I guess from where I'm sitting, it seems like that's one of the, when I started doing my research on this, this is one of the necessary steps in order to find happiness. So footnote that or put a pin in it, let's come back to that because I think there's, um, there's something in the data on the research side of this, at least from therapists or psychologists seem to suggest that might be one of the ways we resolve things, right? Um, I met with an entrepreneur, a couple of these guys, they don't know what to do next. 
maybe they've had some good exits and they have uh, good financial outcomes. Some may not have, right? And they expected that by the time in their life. But even what I found, even for the ones that have and have not, let's say one's had, you know, a sizable outcome and another one hasn't, um, the one that has isn't necessarily happier. I mean, they're a little bit more secure in their lives, right? Because they have sort of um, more financial resources and maybe have been able to take care of their kids in different ways and things like that. But in other ways, they're, I wouldn't say unhappy, but um, they feel uh, perhaps more rudderless than they did, uh, to use a ship analogy, <laughs> when they did when they were commanding a ship, okay, uh, back in whatever their roles in their entrepreneurial endeavors. So, you know, uh, that's, just, and that's not even including everybody I've talked to, so that's a relatively large cross-section of people Um that I've had these conversations with. And so when I started to sort of see this theme of, again, I hate to generalize uh, unhappiness, maybe it's unsettled. Um, I started to sort of digging into why, you know, and, and uh, came across some, a, a couple of interesting articles and piecing this together. And one was titled, quote unquote, your fifties will probably be the most unhappy time of your life. Well, that's kind of depressing. Right. And, you know, and, and so, I guess the better question is why, why would this be the case? So I, I kind of started breaking it down. Okay. What, what's working, <laughs> what's working for us in our fifties and what's working against us. Right. And so I think one of the drivers, at least from what I'm able to see a sort of cross section of articles on this topic was people that felt uh, maybe why they feel this way or why, why sort of there's a sort of general sense of it. Um, you know, they feel like they should be at the peak. Career is the big thing, right? So the first kind of sort of leg of the stool of maybe why we're not feeling, um, you know, as settled or as happy, again, to use that word, as, as we might expect to be is, you know, one, they should, they, they have the sense they should be at the peak of their careers by their 50s. Okay, so, and there's some people that are. And either place kind of could be, it, I might be a little bit disappointed. You might be at the peak of your career making great money, but not, not satisfied with your work. So I would say that that's one class of people that I met with. Another one could be like they're at the peak of their career or their expertise, but they haven't seen the results that they expected. Usually that has to do with sort of financial outcomes, but sometimes it's just sort of like gratification from the job. I mean, I might put a teacher in that category, right? That's 20 years in, um, or someone's run their own mortgage business, but, you know, is sort of tired of the, I don't know, the lack of learning or the mundane work. And so sort of, you know, the next question becomes, what, what are you going to do about it? But before we get there, let's, I, I kind of wanted to sort of see the why in this case, and then uh, figure out what were some of the recommendations that were prescribed potentially, I don't want to say addressing, but just sort of um, moving in a place where you can kind of move out of that, um, that space in your life. Uh, in fact, uh, this is an issue. You know, this is from a, an article that um, I think it's Huffington Post or uh, it's actually National Geographic is kind of um, quoted in. Uh, so I'll just sort of read you this because I sort of, I think it summarizes pretty nicely. Our 50s were supposed to be the age when, when things got easier. Settled careers, settled marriages, settled finances. But for many of us, it's one big fat disappointment. Just 3% of people in their 50s like they're living 
feel like they're living, quote unquote, their best possible life, according to new data from AARP and National Geographic. So my hunch of, gosh, this is a broader percentage of population that maybe that I would have anticipated ended up being kind of right. And I'm like, that's pretty disappointing. And I want to talk about on a personal level three years ago, uh, again, coming back to this as we sort of prescribe or I prescribe is the wrong word, but we look for ways out of this where I was at three years ago. Now I'm now 53, um, I guess squarely in my fifties, almost 54. And, and I'm not pretending that I've totally resolved this issue as well. I mean, I think any, in any time you have your days, right, your good days, your bad days, but you know, can I put myself in a position where I have more, more good days than bad, <laughs> right? Isn't that what we're all going for? So, um, so kind of a, the way my mind was working, um, you know, I started to put this stuff into, you know, what's working for you and what's working against you. Um, so, but before sort of going down, I kind of trying to codify this, uh, I, there's some other interesting points this article had to make. It's worth summarizing National Geographic. Uh, and it, it, these are just ways describing this transition. And incidentally, you probably have these same kind of transitions in your 20s and 30s. And I have to guess some of the things that, lack of a better word, are prescribed or suggestive as sort of um, off ramps or ways to sort of reinvent yourself, or they're, they're probably similar in nature. And some of it's going to maybe you know, uh, seem obvious when we sort of break it down. But um, this one author described the 50s are essentially the eighth grade of adulthood, which I thought was interesting. A weird station between two worlds. We're too old to play with the young kids, yet not old enough to hang with the seniors. Okay, so that was one thing. Um, and it, it sounded like the comparison isn't that far fetched, right? I mean, when you're in eighth grade, you're um, you're, you're kind of trying, you're, you're, you're coming out of middle school and you're trying to figure out how you're going to exist in this much larger world, the high school at the bottom of the rung. And, and I guess in your fifties, um, you know, even if you're making a good living, you're, you know, you're facing the crush of college bills, uh, maybe the need to support your aging parents, maybe relationships that's, that's changing, um, you know, physically often at times with, you know, hormones and energy levels and all that kind of stuff. So, maybe some of the same sort of aspects that you're dealing with in eighth grade. So I thought that was kind of a interesting um, analogy. I mean, you're also obviously not, you know, young and, you know, you're in the, in the place where you're able to, or as young where you have the same sort of youthful energy, if you will. Okay. So there's probably um, healthy ways to try to figure out how to, how to sort of take, you know, those transitions head on in unhealthy ways. And I don't know if we need to break all that down. We kind of, we see it play out, right? Um, you know, uh, more self-medicating or uh, trying to, um, you know, trying to act like you're 18 again and, and be capable of that level of partying and things of that nature. I mean, I think we all know, sir, that ends up being self-destructive. At the same time, we don't want to necessarily go. We want to enjoy life, okay? So... Once I sort of saw that this is actually um, a little, you know, somewhat of a trend, if you will, uh, I really became more interested in how do we sort of resolve our way out of this. But let's still sort of talk about what's working, I guess, against you and then maybe what's working for us, you know, in our 50s, regardless maybe of some of the things we expected for ourselves. Right. For example, like, you know, certain being financially 
uh, viable in a certain way at that point to our life. So I think what's, what's working against us, we already talked about, you know, a little bit here, right? Where some people are feeling trapped in their career. That was sort of a big uh, theme from a number of the folks I met with. Uh, maybe still, even with that in mind, they, you know, they may or may not have enough dollars for retirement. You know, that's, um, that's difficult. There's hormonal changes. Uh, you know, your hair's thinning, uh, you're turning gray. I mean, I mean, I've got all those things going for me, uh, which I took off my cap here. Um, put it back on. <laughs> it's still winter. I can get away with this, even though it's pretty warm this week. Um, aging parents, you know, that story reminds you of your own mortality, hard to see. Um, and, uh, you know, I think this more sort of maybe, you know, kind of sub subliminally, but, you know, our pop culture reminds us, you know, that we're aging and that maybe makes us feel a little bit more miserable about our, <laughs> our ability to perform or whatever. Um, and sometimes that's just that physical looks or, you know, um, you know, intimacy or whatever it may be. So, uh, but, you know, I, I do feel that, you know, we need to move, you know, as a group, whatever time you're confronting these changes, um, and try to figure out how we can address this stuff. So I've sort of cycled through this myself, right. Over the last three years. And, and, and I think in some ways I was able to sort of, you know, transition out into, um, you know, a new sort of professional direction and things of that nature. So, uh, I'll come back to that in a minute, but another, re another sort of daunting fact, I really didn't like when I came across this research and this is the one it sort of concerns me and why I'm, uh, just, you know, decided to invest some time in this today is if we look at the rate of suicide, um, for middle-aged men, it's, it's, it's increasing quite a bit. Um, and so I don't know if we're middle-aged men, we're feeling like we're, and this, I mean, I'm sure it's true of women as well. I mean, I just saw again, one study on the um, men's side of things, but, um, you know, is it, you know, we're feeling less in control or, like I said, not having, you know, financial stability or marriage stability, whatever relationship stability. I mean, there could be a number of factors. And I think these are all the things working against us. And it, it kind of ends up being kind of a long list, you know, and, um, at that, and, and one in which hard to sort of see any potential resolution to, I think what's working for us. So let's talk about that. Cause I think there are a lot of things working for us that maybe we undervalue. Uh, one is, you know, we have a lot of knowledge and wisdom of whatever, area of expertise that we're in, right? We've sort of acquired it. We're more comfortable. We should be in a better position to manage, execute, you know, professionally and do, doing those sort of things. Um, in generally speaking, we're more patient. This sort of may translate better in our relationships, either with our kids and or with our spouses. So we have um, that going for us. And that patience should, can lead us to have a different perspective on just events in our lives like, this too shall pass type of a phenomenon. Whereas I feel like you're in your twenties or thirties and something's not going your way. Um, and maybe you have a, a divorce or, you know, a financial setback. Um, I, it, it can seem like the end of the world when, when the reality is you have a lot of time still left in front of you. I mean, maybe in your 20s, you're the bigger struggles figuring out what is it that I truly want to be when I grow up. And you may have one sort of expectation for yourself and you actually end up doing something, um, totally different. So, so, you know, there, we have some tools, uh, in which to work with. Okay. So before I get into, I guess, sort of 
you know, relaying my own story a little bit, I, you know, I wanted to sort of see, well, what did the experts tell us on this? Just like, you know, kind of saw the data on the percentage of people that potentially aren't happy. As, they, as you go into these articles, you sort of get general themes that come across. And so I said, okay, well, what are they telling us to do? And how much of that have I actually applied to my own life? And how much are we, any of us willing to apply this uh, to their own lives? And perhaps find a way to sort of transition out of, um, you know, uh, a statistic in the fifties and that, you know, instead of being in the 3% that are in that category, you could be in the, um, the 97%, again, one data point of, you know, potentially being happy. So, you know, I wanted to, to dive into, into that. And so what were the experts suggesting to do? Okay. So I'm going to do this in a bit broad strokes and then maybe use some examples and, uh, to see if we can relate to any of these. Um, so one of the things that I kind of came across that I think was commonly referred to as a potential uh, way to resolve this is, you know, to find a, a new passion or to develop a passion in your existing um, in your existing field that you may may otherwise be overlooking. And I thought this was really interesting, okay, because I kind of, you know, I asked some of my other friends that were a little bit older about their views on this and some 100% agreed. They they indicated as long as I'm able to find this passion, which I think is an elusive type of a thing, and let's come back to that, um, then then I wasn't as um, professionally frustrated. Let's say, okay. So there there's that aspect. However, I there was a kind of a counter to this. I felt like even though I, this wasn't really discussed in many of the articles that we talked about, but I have a, a friend that is what I'll put in sort of the. Uh, philosophically or spiritually, religiously, however you want to look at is is a Hindu and he's, you know, practiced in that capacity for a number of years. I said, well, what do you think of this idea of finding happiness through identifying with a passion? And he took sort of an counter approach to you. He said, that's very, that's a very uh, transitory thing. Like, you know, you may be excited about something for two years, four years, five years, um, and then you may lose that interest or maybe six months or three months. I mean, how many of us have started a project that we're quote unquote passion about only to, um, discontinue that process after a couple of months. I mean, I have, I've definitely been guilty of that. Uh, gosh, I can go through the list when I was in my, like I said, when I turned 50 and I had this major transition in my life, you know, professionally, uh, having sold a business and then being out of that business, um, tried reinventing myself in a number of ways. And, and I don't have any regrets on that. I mean, I think some of those just were trial and error and, maybe potentially trying to locate that next level of passion. But I think he made a good point that it's transitory. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? Like, well, he's like, well, once you're done with it, then you're, you're back to being unhappy. And so isn't the better goal to find a, a place to be stable, uh, regardless of what it is that you're passionate about per se. Okay. I thought that was, that was a, a, an interesting viewpoint worth exploring. And so, and sort of his methodology, and this is just one person, but it's retired for 10 years, was, you know, to go deeper into, you know, understanding the mind and learning patience and being present, meditation, all those sort of um, potential applications. I think that most of us have read about at some point or time or not, and hard to say if many of us have applied this, but at least from his perspective, he seems like a really pretty happy person. And he's doing other things in life too, learning certain disciplines like quantum physics and stuff that he was always passionate about as a young person or interested, I should say, as a young person. 
but he's really worked on that ability to uh, sort of be non-attached or present in life. And, and, and you re- if you think about it in our fifties, if we truly do transition that place, we're empty nesting and yes, we're working still as hard or providing for college or whatever it is we're doing, we have more time to invest in that. And I don't want to make the excuse. We don't have time for it prior to that. But uh, if you're living the kind of life that I think most of us have lived, if you have kids or don't have kids and both spouses are working or not, you're pretty busy. You're just kind of like high five on the way out. You don't necessarily have that time to sort of invest in the reflection and things of that nature. By way of example, the van, right? I got the van, the gift to myself that I was able to get, I'm able to get on the road and be in a place where I can truly sort of reflect and try to understand, you know, these emotions and things like that. So again, a counter argument to the passion. Okay. So what, what are the other authors um, or what are the other, I don't know, therapists, psychologists that, you know, again, coming across the things I've read suggest, well, they also suggest to learn, like you need to continually learn something. Um, I mean, sort of, again, uh, more generalized advice, be patient. It gets better. Um, these same studies that show your fifties and maybe your late forties is the most difficult time. Also, so in your sixties and seventies, people are moving back up the happiness curve, which is pretty cool. Right. And so it's something to look forward to, to get excited about. Um, uh, another thing it says, be present and find meaning in your work. Um, I, I think this is an interesting one that what, you know, once we've been doing something for as long as we have, and some of the guys I sat down and talked with, you know, that are in these kind of businesses, they're complicated and they've been doing it forever. They're just so good at it, but I could just, I could see that it didn't have the enthusiasm for that anymore. And I too went through that, right? Even with my own business that I was able to be a founder of and have a lot of energy and interest around and be passionate about quote unquote, using that word again. Um, I kind of felt I got seven years in and I was sort of going through the motions and it's growing and I should, this, I should be happy. I'm making money. I mean, shouldn't I just be incredibly satisfied from this? But the reality I wasn't. And so, however, I got some good advice that time. And it was basically, um, along these lines of, you know, of, of this suggestion that was made in this article, which I thought was great, you know, be present and find meaning in the work that you're doing. And so what did we do? Like I started looking at my business and I said, well, my mission in that business has changed. And just because I'm the owner of the business doesn't mean I'm the only one that has the privilege to do that. Why can't anybody at any level do that within the job that they have? Okay. So let me give you an example. In this particular case, as I reinvented the mission for the, for the company, the mission statement that we ended up settling on was let's help our customers and our employees realize their potential. That's my mission now. And if I was spending a lot of my time doing those things, helping our customers realize their potential, helping my employees realize their potential, then I felt like we were fulfilling our mission as a company. And at least for me, in the context in which we work in, and if you just sort of look at that statement, it has nothing to do with the products that we're producing or the services that we're providing per se. Yes, we need to continue to have a business do things, but it's almost to what end. And as soon as I was able to sort of look at my business through that lens versus the old lens of growth, productivity, which are all there still as metrics. And you, and you know, you're, you, you don't sort of throw those out the, the window. As soon as I was able to look at 
things through that lens, I felt more meaning in my work. I got up every day and said, okay, am I doing these things that are consistent with the mission that I set out for the company that hopefully others have enrolled in? But again, even if I wasn't that leader, I would still argue this is something that we could sort of take on individually, right? And so for whatever level we're at with the company, um, and that's just sort of, you know, one of the suggestions that was sort of made. Um, the other things that uh, talking about better for better balance and happiness, and again, moving into that 97% uh, or that, um, you know, if only 3% are happy, uh, moving into that 3%. Earlier, I said 97%. Actually, we want to move into that 3% because if it's only 3% of us that are happy in our 50s, let's find a way to get in there, which I'm not going to say that's a totally accurate statistic. I'm pretty sure you can find statistics otherwise, but it is a little bit of, it is one data point and, um, you know, uh, I think it, it's maybe it's 10, maybe it's 20%. Still, it's still a minority and that's the problem. Let's move it. Let's see if we can move that up. So it said cultivate new friendships, right? Doesn't mean anything's wrong with the friendships that you have and maybe there are some things wrong with it, right? And so cultivating new friendships leads to learning, growth, different connections. Maybe you've grown apart from some of your friends uh, and, I don't know, maybe habits are changing or perspectives. I, I want to keep a lot of my old friends. I love them. Uh, but I'm also very o open to cultivating uh, new relationships. Exercise. Uh, and you need to do that, but probably need to do that the whole way through. But uh, again, not to belabor this, but there's lots of studies that show that more exercise leads to um, better productivity or uh increases endorphins or whatever that and you're happier and more engaged after certain workouts right and so um i think that's worth kind of noting oh this is a this is an interesting one you know going back to you know moving into that three to ten percent category the people are happy delete people that make you feel smaller and deny your sense of self-worth okay that's a tough one you may have some people, it could be even family members that you've tried forever to get along with and you do get along with, but somehow, you know, I think we all have these scenarios with people when we sit down with them and we feel that obligation to go out to lunch or have a coffee. And then we, oh, we walk away from that going like, am I actually feeling better after that meeting um, about myself and where's my energy level at? I, I Maybe I've tried to convince that person to be a different way throughout my life, or maybe they need me to be a different way. You know, again, not pointing the finger per se, but we, at some point there is a time when maybe we need to be able to come to that per position where we're, or that conclusion, I should say, where we're able to delete people from your life, but kind of a harsh reality. But again, this is what uh, some of the you know the psychologists or therapists are saying is a, is a way to sort of deal with this. Um, Reset some of your youthful passions. So this is interesting. So something you may have been interested in as a, you know, when you're younger and you wanted to do really well in, but was sort of sidetracked as you became busy with life, raising kids, professional outcomes, all the, all the, you know, sort of, um, focus and behaviors that we need to sort of try to you know, gain stability in life. I a hundred percent agree with this. Um, the article mentioned some, but this, you know, a lady that went back to law school when she turned 60 to finish her last year of law school. You hear about people doing that stuff all the time. So, you know, finding and resetting that youthful passion. For me, it's the outdoors. 
and, and more and more it's become a bigger part of my life. And I make sure I'm doing something outdoors in this sort of perspective every single week. Don't miss a week. And, uh, and if I do, I find that I'm sort of slipping into that scenario being less happy. The other articles also talk about, you know, recognizing that, um, a lot of these things are transitory. This goes back to sort of my friend that's sort of the Hindu that says, you know, the passion thing is transitory, but so are feelings and emotions. And I'm not the expert in this sort of area, but certain engaging in things where I can observe and understand that these are transitory, uh, whether through meditation or yoga or other practices, uh, it's probably highly encouraged and uh, help you um, receive, uh, you know, uh, achieve that result. Um, okay, so what was one? Uh, so you you know you kind of reclaim a a beloved or abandoned skilled uh, that you abandoned self. Um, and like I said, removing the the people that are the negatives. So okay, that was uh, that was a little bit off. Uh, you know, program that we're normally tackling, but I do love these kind of subjects. I feel like they're rarely discussed, um, uh, you know, sort of in a, in a sort of collaborative setting and sort of a podcast setting. Um, you know, again, in my, in my own experience, you know, from 50 to 52, um, things are pretty bumpy, uh, as I tried to sort of trigger and find my way, you know, by doing different things into this, this next sort of phase of operating and, and again, I think we're all still learning and, and piecing those uh, different aspects together. I mean, I had, a, I had a, my oldest son left for college this year. There's a huge void that happened in that process. And I remember recognizing each day <laughs> that I didn't feel great, you know, and how do I move out of not feeling great and accepting this transition, which I didn't really want to accept um, because I'm not sure I even sort of subscribe to this is the way that we should be raising and supporting our kids, but it is part of our culture. And I do live in the United States and that at least is one direction to go. It just felt like, it felt like a lot of things were happening that shouldn't have been. It felt like abandonment of uh, me abandoning him, although he didn't feel that way. He was able to go into his college and do well, but you know, you created this, this, this incredible void from a family dynamic. And you sort of, you know, you look at that as it relates to other places in the world and countries, that's not how they live. I mean, kids, live with their parents and families live together all the way sometime through their twenties and then their thirties before making that transition. And so, uh, you know, it was, it was, that was, that was difficult. Uh, but going back to what we were talking about before, you know, finding different passions, learning different things. This is what helped me sort of transition. I was able to still be involved and am involved in his life and have a 